This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, a partnership between Northwest Arkansas Food Bank and restaurants on the Bentonville Square will raise money to fight food insecurity. You know, when you don't know where your next meal is coming from, you're not going to eat a regular meal. You're going to uh, you can think, through, okay, I'm going to take a bite here because I also have to maybe share it with my siblings. Or a parent may go hungry because they want to feed their children, so they're not necessarily eating. Plus, a class devoted to creating a one-person play leads to a new work premiering this month. So in this class, you um, learn the techniques and the tools to develop your own show so that you can travel and make money when um, others aren't able to hire you. And our militant grammarian brings us a quiz about eponyms. For instance, who gave the sandwich its name? First, the news from NPR. The Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society and Rail Yard Live Concert Series presents the Jazz and Blues Block Party, August 4th and 5th in Rogers. Performances include Young Ja Song, a Korean jazz pianist, and her trio, as well as Abstract Citizen with guitarist and composer Aaron Libos. Tickets at digjazz.com slash events. KUAF is partnering with local McDonald's owner-operators to bring you the KUAF Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series, including three tiny desk-styled concerts that will take place at different McDonald's locations across northwest Arkansas, the River Valley, and the Green Country. These three concerts lead up to the Lunch All Day Mini Festival in September. Performances include Steph Simon of Fire in Little Africa, country singer Joe West, and artist-designer Tylo May. KUAF.com backslash summer concerts for more information. It is Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Callums. I'm Matthew Moore. This is your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Early voting is underway in Sebastian County and in Alma today. Voters will determine if existing 1% sales tax measures remain on the books. Early voting continues through Friday of this week, as well as on Monday of next week. And Election Day proper for both elections is a week from today. And later this hour on our show, our militant grammarian is back with eponyms, the people for whom things are named, like the Earl of Sandwich. She's bringing a quiz as well. That's in today's second half of the show. First, Northwest Arkansas Food Bank is partnering with businesses in downtown Bentonville to support nine local food pantries throughout the region. Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith spoke with Kristen Nicholson, who works with the marketing firm MHP Team SI, about a brand-new initiative called Square Meals. And it's it's really just dining out at local restaurants in Bentonville for a great cause. We have 13 restaurants that are participating. You go in August 9th or August 10th. Uh, to any of the 13 participating restaurants, and a portion of the proceeds benefit hunger relief in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, we partner with the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank, and they serve four counties. Um, so they've identified a number of food pantries that will benefit from just going out and eating at restaurants. That was going to be my next question. Who's benefiting from this? What kind of impact does Northwest Arkansas Food Bank have? How many people are they feeding? So food insecurity in Arkansas is a a really big issue, and it's a lot of people are surprised to learn that food insecurity in northwest Arkansas is even it's a large issue. So the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank, 
They serve about 70,000 people annually. That, that's a big number. It's, it's kind of a, a surprising number. Last year, they served over 11 million meals. And, you know, as we're getting to back to school time, hunger is something that really impacts children's ability to learn. Because if you don't know where your next meal is coming from and you're worried and you're hungry, doing homework is not necessarily a focus. So it's, it's important to uh, address that food insecurity issue. And it's something that our company is, uh, is very passionate about. Now, I love that you touched on the, the little bit there about what food insecurity looks like. It's not necessarily always what we believe hunger to be. There's just literally nothing in the fridge. Sometimes it's, I don't know where this next meal is coming from. And that worry also plays into a part of in this issue. That, that is a huge part of it. You know, when you don't know where your next meal is coming from, you're not going to eat a regular meal. You're going to, uh, you can think, through, okay, I'm going to take a bite here because I also have to maybe share it with my siblings. Or a parent may go hungry because they want to feed their children, so they're not necessarily eating. Um, and that can really weigh on a family, an individual and a family, when you don't know what you're going to have for breakfast or for lunch the next day. You're going to have to, you know, portion out those meals, and it's not a full meal. And that really impacts everything. It impacts your ability to work. It impacts your ability to focus. So for for children who are going back to school, it impacts their ability to focus during school. And yes, they do receive lunches at school, but what about the meals on the weekends and nights? And I from previous reporting and just, you know, from listening to, you know, community advocates and um, what the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank is doing is not just providing meals, but providing good meals, healthy, nutritious. You hit the nail on the head with healthy and nutritious. You know, there are food deserts where some, some people can just go down the street to the gas station. Um, they, ne- can't, they may not necessarily have access to healthy, nutritious, and unfortunately, when it comes to, you know, finances too, sometimes those healthy and nutritious meals are not always as affordable as the less healthy options. Um, so having a healthy, well-balanced diet is also important for your overall health and your ability to be able to focus during you know, the school hours or be able to be productive at work. Kristen, can you tell us again when and where um, the event will last? How can people support during the Squares meal, Square Meal event? So it's Wednesday, August 9th and Thursday, August 10th. Uh, there's a full list of participating restaurants at uh, Northwest Arkansas Food Bank's website. Uh, but just to name a few, uh, we've got some fabulous restaurants that are participating like Tus- Tuscan Trotter, Conifer, The Hive, Ozark Mountain Bagel, Onyx Coffee Lab in Bentonville, Barclita, Airship Coffee, Flying Fish, The Big Lieutenant, Oven and Tap, Ramo de Olivo, Superfine Sweet Shop, and Crepes Paulette. And just to give you an example, so you can go in and, you know, just have a meal and there can be proceeds that benefit. Or, you know, maybe it's a specialty dish. So if you go into Flying Fish, you order the fish tacos, uh, proceeds from those fish tacos go to these food pantries. Or if you go into Onyx on the Bentonville, Bentonville Square, uh, if you order the Azure Latte 
proceeds will benefit this initiative. And does the public, the, when people are, and customers are going into these restaurants, do they have to specify um, anything or does that come inherently with this event? It comes with it. However, it's always good just to ask questions. We will have posters and signage. Every table will have a little table tent there uh, with information. And then if you choose to make an additional donation, there's a QR code on the table where you can donate if you're feeling uh extra generous and uh, want to do something a little uh, additional beyond just buying some fish tacos. And one last question before you go. So as I was looking into the data and what um, Northwest Arkansas Food Bank, just the sheer amount of people that they can help, kind of a, a question that we frequently get is, well, are there other programs? Are there other things that can help them, you, you know, more on the welfare side or more anything? And on the website, um, I just as a quick tidbit, I found that only 59% of the people who are getting um, getting those meals are SNAP eligible. So for some families, this may be the only time that they can get some additional meals, some additional funding. Yes, that is definitely a, a big issue. And our agency, we've been around for 51 years. We are very passionate about hunger relief causes. And the F Northwest Arkansas Food Bank has so many wonderful programs. And again, you just don't realize the full impact that food insecurity has. Uh, it could be someone you work with and you never know. It could be a student that you are in class with at, you know, university or an elementary school and high school. It could be your neighbor down the street. It could be someone you go to church with. Um, the faces of hunger are, are very surprising. Um, and but there are programs available. There are a number of food pantries. Uh, and then the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank um, has a, a number of different programs. But that's that's something that uh, at MHPT MSI, we've been just passionate about getting involved and helping not only raise awareness about the issue, but putting our money where our mouth is and trying to figure out ways to, to partner with other community businesses to help raise funds for this issue. Kristen Nicholson is the Vice President of Public Relations at MHP Team SI. They're spearheading the Square Meals Initiative that will partner local businesses on the Bentonville Square with nine local food pantries throughout Northwest Arkansas. You can find out more details about participating businesses, the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank, and the two-day fundraising at ozarksatlarge.com. The University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences will lead a research project examining how the availability of school meals benefit the mental and behavioral status of young people. The research will be directed out of UAMS's Center for the Study of Obesity. The three-year venture is funded by a grant from the National Institutes of Health. Michael Thomason, the director of the center, says the research will offer an opportunity to understand how school meal policies can have an impact on common childhood behavioral disorders. He says if preliminary hypotheses hold true, there could be profound implications for the school meal policies. The grant was announced last week. Hi, I'm Matthew Moore, reporter and producer for Ozarks at Large. I love doing word games, especially the kind where you guess a five-letter word and you're given color-coded hints on how close you were to guessing that five-letter word. If you also love doing that kind of word game, then you should play the daily KUAF word game. Just head over to KUAF.com and see how you fare. And if you're a listener of Ozarks at Large, you might notice a pattern in the word choices, but hey, I don't want to spoil it for you. Just head over to KUAF.com and play along. And thanks.
Later this hour on Ozarks, the work Natasha Devon put in to be ready to present a one-person show that's taking place later this month on the Arts Live stage. A couple of years ago, I didn't think I could be on stage by myself for an hour and entertain an audience. I didn't think that was even possible. Um, But being able to do this show, I've pushed and I've challenged myself. Natasha Devon talks to Randy Wilburn in the latest episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. We'll hear an excerpt and learn more about the production Ain't I a Woman in about 15 minutes on today's Ozarks at Large. KUAF is your source for news and entertainment on the air and in your podcast feed. With podcasts like Ozarks at Large, Resilient Black Women, The Lunch Hour, and The R Word. You can rely on KUAF to bring you a diverse lineup of culture and news you need whenever you need it. Find our entire lineup of podcasts at KUAF.com slash podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Organizers of an effort to place a possible recall of the Arkansas Learns Act before voters estimate that they are a few hundred signatures short of the required number. The deadline to turn in just more than 54,000 valid signatures was yesterday. Steve Grapp with Citizens for Public Education and Students, or CAPES, told reporters he thinks the group missed the threshold by fewer than 500 signatures. An official count will be made by the Secretary of State's office. Talk Business and Politics reports Grapp says CAPES will focus on passing a citizen-led constitutional amendment that would require private schools accepting public money to comply with the same rules that public schools do, such as providing transportation and accepting students with disabilities. Hundreds of laws passed by the Arkansas legislature are going into effect today. Josie Lenora with our partner station KUAR has more. Most new laws passed earlier this year will go into effect 91 days after the end of the legislative session. This includes several culture war laws, such as one requiring teachers to call students by the names and pronouns aligning with their birth certificate, not the ones preferred by the student. Another law requires students to use the bathroom corresponding with their gender assigned at birth, while another bans implicit bias training from being required in schools. A law requiring photo identification to access pornographic websites also goes into effect Tuesday. In protest, the popular adult website Pornhub has blocked Arkansas users from accessing it. Laws sponsored by Representative Aaron Pilkington require newborns to be given free screenings of 30 specific medical conditions like sickle cell anemia. Act 160 goes into effect Tuesday requiring able-bodied adults to work or volunteer part-time if they receive federal housing assistance. In Little Rock, I'm Josie Lenora. The Walmart Foundation is making a $7 million grant to Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art to support continued free admission. According to a press release, the money will also help support programming at the momentary. The University of Arkansas's search for a new dean for the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences is beginning. A search committee has been formed and will be chaired by Jason Battles, the dean of libraries. Interviews of finalists are expected to take place in February. Former Dean Todd Shields left last year to accept the position of chancellor at Arkansas State University. Duck hunting in Arkansas is taking a step into the 21st century. The annual duck stamp required for hunters is now a digital stamp. Legislation co-sponsored by Arkansas Senator John Bozeman allows for the authorization of an electronic stamp for use throughout the entirety of waterfowl hunting seasons. 
The National Weather Service is issuing excessive heat warnings for Crawford, Sebastian, and Franklin counties in western Arkansas and much of eastern Oklahoma until 9 tonight, then again tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m. Afternoon highs are expected to reach 101 today, 103 tomorrow. Heat index values could peak at 110. There is a heat advisory for northwest Arkansas today and tomorrow with highs in the upper 90s and heat index readings around 104. The city of Greenwood is placing some restrictions on water use. City officials say phase two water restrictions will be enforced, meaning water usage for lawns and turf, filling swimming pools, use of city water for compacting dirt, earth moving operations and other construction is prohibited. A statement from the city says Mayor Doug Kinslow issued the restrictions after the city's water supplier, James Fork Regional Water District, requested their users begin phase two restrictions. The Arkansas Razorback and Oklahoma Sooner basketball teams will meet again this December. The third annual and final Crimson and Cardinal Classic will be played at the BOK Center in Tulsa on December 9th. The teams have split the first two games in the series. Just because the Crimson and Cardinal Classic is ending doesn't mean the two teams won't be playing each other. Oklahoma will be playing as a member of the SAC beginning with the 2024-25 college basketball season. And the 124th Tawnytown Grape Festival is beginning tonight. The Carnival Midway, Free Music, and Grape Stomp are part of the opening night events. The annual spaghetti dinners will start Thursday night. The festival continues in Tawnytown through Saturday night. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore, joined in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2 by Jacqueline Froelich, Ozarks at Large senior news reporter. Welcome, Jacqueline. Hi, Matthew. You've been reporting on cryptocurrency mining here in Arkansas. Several laws were passed in April by the Arkansas legislature to protect and attract more cryptocurrency mining to the state and to generate revenue. But these mines are causing a bit of a stir in the communities, leading to efforts by one law maker to repeal these measures. That's right. Yes, it's a big stir, as I've discovered. Cryptocurrency mines are large banks, if you don't know, of computer servers often housed in vacant warehouses and factories. And the end goal is to generate valuable virtual currency, such as Bitcoin. And according to the newly formed Arkansas Blockchain Council, around a dozen crypto mines have opened around the state over the past two years, with more coming. And this summer, Republican State Senator Brian King of Green Forest is pressing colleagues in the legislature to repeal the new laws that aim to attract the industry to Arkansas. Yeah, and this kind of came on your radar again because King notified you about a new Senate committee meeting that happened about Bitcoin mining that he held early last week at North Arkansas Community College in Harrison, where construction of a proposed crypto mine was recently blocked. What was on the agenda? 
So the top item, and yeah, he stayed in close touch with me because he appreciates public radio reporting. The top agenda item is Act 851, which supposedly regulates crypto mining in Arkansas. The measure sailed through the state legislature with just a single vote in opposition, interestingly. And King says at the tail, this occurred at the tail of the session. So the new law, which took effect yesterday, refers to mine simply as data centers. Mm. Second, the law bars discrimination against any data center by local governments. That means quorum courts and city councils cannot enact controlling ordinances around these crypto mines. I spoke with Senator King late last week, who initially voted, ironically, in support of (laughs) Act 851. He regrets the vote after studying the industry and has major concerns Concerns about the uh, noise levels of some facilities. You know, another concern is the energy concerns. Even the crypto people said that they use anywhere from five to 15 megawatts a day of energy. 10,000 megawatts, from my understanding, is could power 7,000 homes. Given the unknown about this industry, the reality, the way the bill was passed, you know, we, we need to look at that. And, you know, I think a lot of members are going like, what did we vote on? What are we doing? Because King, again, says Act 851 was passed in haste with no informed consideration by lawmakers due to a packed agenda towards the end of the session, he's calling for a special session to repeal these this law. Yeah. You've reported that crypto miners, including Chinese investors, and it's banned, this industry is banned in China, that they're coming to Arkansas to take advantage of abundant and relatively cheap electricity and these lax zoning laws. Right. We have a lot of rural ground for crypto mining. That's for sure. For example, one of the first cryptocurrency mines on the Ozarks is located in rural Faulkner County in the unincorporated community of Bono, and it powered up last April. The servers are housed in over a dozen transoceanic shipping containers, referred to as ant farms in this situation. Here's what the facility sounds like from around 120 feet away. That is way louder than I expected it to be. Yeah, county resident Del Wilder recorded that audio and provided it to me. When the facility first fired up, it sounds like a jet engine on the ground at full throttle, day and night. And apparently the metal buildings have yet to be soundproofed, Del said. So I checked back with her, a follow-up call. In actuality, it's been like hell. The community has not reacted well to it. The noise is still as loud as ever. And I can only say this facility is predatory in the reason that they have not done anything substantial as far as barriers to even hamper the noise that is affecting the whole community. Wilder also provided me documents, which I was not aware of, showing that more than a dozen Faulkner County residents on July 24th filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court, Eastern District of Arkansas, against New Rays 1 LLC, the company that built this mine. So we'll monitor that. Mm-hmm. And one other thing is that Senator King says that lawmakers also rushed to pass a second crypto industry bill, Act 819, which a lot of folks don't know about, I don't think, which provides sales and use tax exemptions to attract the industry to mm. Arkansas. That law claims the mines create jobs, pay taxes, and provide general economic value to local communities in this state. But King points out that only a few techs are required to run the crypto mines once built. 
and due to the amount of electricity the facilities consume, he's worried it will lead to power blackouts. He's really worried about this, especially yeah. during all of our heat waves yeah. and cold waves. So King is looking to repeal that law as well. Regulators at the federal level are also starting to scrutinize cryptocurrency mining power consumption, too. I'm trying to keep an eye on what's happening at the national level. And last May, the White House proposed requiring crypto miners to pay a premium, a 30 percent tax on energy consumption, which is really interesting. Here in Arkansas, we also have Act H51, which regards crypto mining, and it requires crypto miners to pay, quote, applicable taxes and government fees and acceptable forms of currency, which is not <laughs> Bitcoin, right? <laughs> apparently, and uh, operate in a manner that causes no stress on an electric public utilities generation capabilities or transmission network, hmm. end quote. So there's that. Yeah. So if uh, Governor Sanders calls a special session to revisit these laws, a two-thirds majority is needed in both the House and the Senate to repeal it, right? Yeah, that's right. It's a large ask for an industry few people know about, let alone the Arkansas legislature, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for your extensive reporting on this, Jacqueline Froelich. You're welcome. Tonight at 8, KUAF begins nine hours of classical music with Peter Vandegraaff. Tonight, in his first hour of music, he'll feature works inspired by Bizet's Carmen, as well as a Beethoven piano sonata recorded live in concert. Peter Vandegraaff and great classical music beginning at 8 tonight and beginning at 8 every Sunday through Thursday night on 91.3 KUAF. And a recent guest on our show, flutist Daniel Velasco, has a new CD. He was in Fayetteville last month to perform during the Chamber Music on the Mountain Festival. His new recording, released on Noxos Records, is Flauta and Dina, 20th Century Andean Music for Flute and Piano. This is a sample of Daniel Valesco and pianist Ellen R. Summer performing Leonardo Cardenas's En el Centro del Mundo y el Tiempo. Music from the new CD, Flauta and Dina, 20th Century Andean Music for Flute and Piano, featuring Daniel Velasco. He is Associate Professor of Flute at the University of Kansas and was on our program just a couple of weeks ago when he was part of the Chamber Music on the Mountain Festival. Hey, it's A. Martinez. So you want to be a morning person. Get up without hitting the snooze button, make your bed right away, eat a healthy breakfast. Okay, okay, you're still working on it. We get it. Go ahead, hit snooze. Morning Edition from NPR News will be here for you all morning, whether you make the bed or not. Listen every weekday. You can hear Morning Edition tomorrow and every weekday morning with your local host, Daniel Carruth, from 5 to 9 a.m. on 91.3 KUAF. And you can also listen by asking your smart speaker to play KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. Actor and writer Natasha Devon will have the Global Campus Center stage all to herself later this month. Her one-person show, Ain't I a Woman, will premiere on Thursday night, August 10th. She discusses the creation of the performance this week on an episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast with Randy Wilburn. Natasha told Randy she wrote the play while in grad school at the University of Arkansas, earning her MFA. She says the first seeds of the work developed in a class devoted to the creation of one-person scripts. 
So in this class, you um, learn the techniques and the tools to develop your own show so that you can travel and make money when um, others aren't able to hire you. Um, and I wrote this show as a form of self-therapy and as a class project, and it kind of just took on a life of its own. Um, I was able to put it into the new play festival at Theater Square back in 2019 and travel it to other places. But now I get to bring the full production on his feed to my community. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's exciting to hear. And, and I'm glad that, um, you know, you, you, I mean, you coming to, to Northwest Arkansas was huge. I mean, obviously you came here for school, but you stayed <laughs> and, and that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. And, and certainly we, you know, we, we are the, we are the better because of it, uh, because we need talented individuals like yourself that uh, are artists and, and, uh, we, uh, you know, there are many platforms for you to share your craft. And so I'm excited to, to be a part of this. And, and so, so tell us a little bit, uh, let's just get into the nuances of, I mean, why did you, did you, and I mean, a couple of years ago, did you think you would be able to do a play like this? Gosh, no, I, a couple of years ago, I didn't think I could be on stage by myself for an hour and entertain an audience. I didn't think that was even possible. Um, but being able to do this show, I've pushed and I've challenged myself. Um, and this story, I didn't think I would be able to get it out on paper um, within itself. But being able to just be surrounded by such a community, whether that was while I was in school and my teachers and my classmates, and then taking that from school into the community of Arkansas and the community of Theater Squared and having, when I tell you this play's success is based on artists who live in Arkansas, just willing to step in and help and lend a helping hand and lend their talents and their efforts to this story. Years ago, I didn't think my village and my community would be so great here, but it actually is. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it, it is, I mean, it, when you think about it, it does make a huge difference. Um, you are, uh, it, this is a very, What's what's the best way to describe it? This is a very um, uh, accommodating community when it comes to the arts. I mean, I think everybody roots for everybody else. I don't. I mean, of course, there's competition, but there's no competition if you know what I mean. Because everybody wants to see everybody be successful, whether it's the visual arts, uh, whether it's the theat theatrical arts, whether it's music. I mean, every scene has its own unique flavor here in Northwest Arkansas. And so, you know, I, I have seen you in many circles over the years. And, and I think the first time that I ever saw you, uh, you, you were, you were doing some, some poetry somewhere. And then of course you, you, you killed us all at the, uh, Martin Luther King, um, program <laughs> this past January at the time of recording this, we're recording this in July of 2023 in January of 2023, the Northwest Arkansas council, uh, Martin Luther King junior council had an amazing event and you brought the house down at the end with, uh, with your, uh, just what you shared. And it was, you know, I just said, wow, you know, this, this, this young lady has amazing talent and I've seen you in plays at theater squared, uh, multiple plays. I mean, you're, you're, you you have a um, 
um, I guess the best way to describe it is that you're a versatile actor, right? A lot of actors are pigeonholed, but you are a very <laughs> versatile actor. And I've seen you play different roles and you played them with excellence. And um, so, I mean, it's just something to be said that, you know, you can, you can, you can accomplish what you're accomplishing in a place like Northwest Arkansas, which is continuing to grow. I mean, we're just getting our, our feet about us, right? As we continue to develop, we're one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Um, there's a lot of opportunity here, but you know, just 15, 20 years ago, it may have been difficult to do what you're doing today. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that I, um, as well as many other artists, were blessed to be in Arkansas in the now, um, and not just theater, but like the the film of even the scene of even film and how that is growing here. And so as a working actor, I can work and pay, pay my bills and be OK <laughs> living in Arkansas, which is that is a rare thing, you know, to be able to be in a small town. What what the arts, especially in the acting world, would consider yeah. a small town, but to be able to be in what is considered a small town and still thrive and still um, get to do productions and sharpen my skills and stretch myself in these amazing ways because the community is fast growing. And I am just put in so many amazing opportunities on different boards and working with different organizations. And I think when I think about like five years from now, I think even now this all will seem so small. It all will seem like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't have all of these other things that I'm, I am more than certain Northwest Arkansas will have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, and that's the, that's the beauty of it because somebody with your talent and skill set, you could have gone to either coast uh, and, and had success or at least found success, but you chose to remain here in the heartland uh, and develop your talents from that perspective, which I think is really exciting. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just, it's paying off. And I think this, having this, this one, this one woman play is, is one way in which you kind of get some validation, right? About the, the time and effort that you've put into remaining here in Northwest Arkansas and continuing to hone your craft at every level. When, when I think about, you know, the theater and when I think about the, um, the dramatic arts, I mean, you, you, you've, you've kind of done a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's super exciting. Um, and yeah, I, I could have, left and went somewhere else and we'll get like we'll get artists who come down from like New York and LA they're like why are you here and I'm like <laughs> you're here too <laughs> you come here right to do right. art so the art is obviously you know here and I don't have to worry about the hustle and the bustle of like putting on a shield to survive in these different spaces when I'm here I'm around people who I take care of and people who take care of me um and I don't know if this is my permanent location, but I do know that this is always going to be a place that I consider home and always a place that I come back to. Yeah. Well, I always say that, I, and, I, and I remind people of this, is that there are seasons for everything, right? And I think this is your season right now for you to continue to refine and do some things before, you know, the, the, the rest of the world gets to um, enjoy your skill set and ability. And I tell people all the time that, listen, there's no such thing as a, as a, as an overnight sensation, right? I mean, it, it, it 
the, the time and the effort that goes into doing what you do happens over years. Uh, it's, it's not over days. It's not over months. It's over years. And so um, anybody that wants to do anything of any value has to put the time in in order to to be able to have something come out of the other end that that you are proud of. Um, and, and so I think that's, you know, not that this is the final culmination of, of, of your skill set and abilities, but this is one um, example of what you are capable of. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm excited to see this play. Thank you. I'm so excited to share. It's funny. It's heartfelt. It's just such a beautiful story. And no matter who you are or where you are in life, I think you'll pull from this. I think, no, I don't think, I know you will pull something from this story to better you as a person. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming that the story, does the story take place in contemporary times or is it, are you, are you, have you like uh, infused current events and some of the things that we're seeing in the world into the dialogue of this play? Actually, no. Um, and as political and as much of an activist I, as I am, <laughs> I wrote this story from a personal lens. Um, and so I didn't include any of, you know, what's happening in the world right now to this story. Um, I try to stay true in the topic. And so to go back, I believe that the premise of my art is healing. Yeah. I love creating art that heals. And in that, I realize that there is so much exposure that has to happen in order for one to heal. And so when I think about what did I want to expose within this particular play, it honestly, nothing that is going on in the world um, was a factor. The entire conversation between Natasha Devon and Randy Wilburn can be found at imnorthwestarkansas.com. There is a new episode each week, and you can subscribe through any major podcast outlet. Natasha's one-person show, Ain't I a Woman, is scheduled for performances Thursday, August 10th, and Friday, August 11th at 7 p.m., then Saturday, August 12th at 2 each at the Global Campus Center in downtown Fayetteville. Natasha suggests an 18 and over audience, and tickets can be found at Eventbrite, by searching for the play's title, Ain't I a Woman? This is Ozarks at Large. On the next episode of The R Word, hosts Lowell and Dustin speak with Dr. Soong Cheng Ra, an author, pastor, professor, and advocate for racial justice in the Christian church. There is something called internalization, where the system is so powerful and the individual uh, internalizes what the system teaches. And this is what I talk about with narratives and imagination. Narratives, stories, uh, worldview, uh, ethics, ethos, culture, all of these things that become a part of the individual that they internalize from social narratives and societal pressure. You can listen to The R Word, a podcast that explores reparations role in racial, social, and economic justice in the Christian church. For free at KUAF.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. We mentioned earlier that the 124th Tawnytown Grape Festival begins tonight and continues through Saturday night. It's just one of many events this week. The new superintendent of Fayetteville Schools and the Fayetteville Chamber of Commerce will host a coffee meeting tomorrow morning from 8 to 9.30 at Jam and Java on the Fayetteville Square. John Mulford is taking over after the retirement of John Colbert. Thursday at noon, bookish. 
a bookstore in the Bakery District in downtown Fort Smith, hosting an Entrepreneurs Book Club. That's at noon Thursday. Then Friday night, Bookish will host Fort City Slam. I'm sure that's a poetry slam competition. That begins Friday night at 6. Friday, you can watch, or if you'd like, take part in a variety of traditional games at the Cherokee Capitol Square on South Muskogee Avenue in Tahlequah. The games are from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. They're free, open to the public. Friday and Saturday, the annual Yards and Yards of Yard Sales is happening all over Carroll County. You can get a map at yardsyards.com. I bet that's a a URL that uh, not a lot of people are looking to buy. Right. I looked at the map this morning, and Uh there are at least 36. Oh, man. Yard sales from Holiday Island to Berryville, Eureka Springs. Yardsyards.com. That's right. Love that. Saturday, the Backyard Throwdown takes place at the Jones Center in Springdale. It's sort of like the Olympics of traditional backyard games. Bracketed tournaments for bocce ball, cornhole, ladder toss, giant water pong, other games. Two kinds of tournaments. The morning bracket for children and families. Nighttime is adults only tournament with option to purchase beer or other uh, libations. Each team of two pays $25 to compete. $5 discount for Jones Center members. You can register or find out more at thejonescenter.net. In... Apparently, my in-laws call it bago. Yeah. Instead of cornhole. Yeah. I didn't. I'd never heard it called bago until I moved down here to the south. I don't remember what I first. I heard it called something else when I was bag toss or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't heard cornhole until a few years ago. Yeah. That's wow. a. That, we we brought that to you from oh. the Midwest. So well, thank you. You're welcome. The Quiver Archery Range in Bentonville is hosting a pair of competitions: one for youth archers and other for adults. The Quiver 300 Youth Competition will be held on Saturday, August 5th, and the Quiver 600 Adult Competition will be held on Sunday, August 6th. Registration for each competition costs $20 for Quiver members and $40 for non-members. Deadline to register is Thursday. You can find out more at thequiverarchery.com. Attention KUAF listeners, your favorite monthly concert series, The Lunch Hour, highlighting local artists and local restaurants, is taking the stage and receiving national recognition, all on NPR live sessions. From the hard-hitting raps about Searcy, Arkansas by Eddie Canyon, to the beautiful electronic classical music by Amos Cochran, not to mention great conversations from artists, restaurant owners, and many more. See some of your favorite local artists sharing a platform with artists like Leon Bridges, Saba, and more. Experience the energy, passion, and talent that's putting Arkansas on the national map. And don't miss out on this extraordinary opportunity to support local music and celebrate KUAF's newfound national recognition. All you have to do is go to NPR Live Sessions and search KUAF. That's NPR slash Live Sessions and search KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. With me at the Carver Center for Public Radio, our militant grammarian who the past few weeks has really <laughs> allowed me to show that I don't know everything. <laughs> do, do, does anyone? Right, right. What are we going to talk about this time? We're going to talk about eponyms. But I'll tell you in a minute what that is. Okay, because that sounds like something I'd put in my thigh if a bee stung me. <laughs> That's an EpiPen. Did you know that King Charles, or who was Prince of Wales at the time, had a tree frog named after him? No, I did not know that. <laughs> it's also weird to hear King Charles. But yeah, right. Yeah. Because of his charity work in conservation, and there was a lot of yes, that, yes, yes, yes. there is now a species of tree frog hopping around in Ecuador 
called, here we go, Hylocertus mm-hmm. Prince Charles Z. Oh, that's the official scientific yeah, name. Yeah, and you know they always put an I on the end right, of it, Charles right. Z. Okay. So Prince Charles Stream Free Tree Frog. Well, how about that? Yeah. And this is an example of an eponym. Okay. Which refers to the person, place, or thing that gives its name to something else some or someone else. Ooh, okay. For instance, who gave the sandwich its name? The Earl of Sandwich. That's correct. As the story goes, in 1762, John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich, <laughs> was playing cards and did not want to leave the gaming table to eat. He asked for a serving of roast beef to be placed between two slices of bread so he could eat it with his hands. <laughs> Sandwich is a town and civil parish in the Dover district of Kent, southeast England. Isn't It's hard to believe that. That didn't exist until, I know. yeah. I know. He had no idea what he was inventing. I guess you had meat in one hand sure. and bread in the other, you know. Eponyms show the close connection between certain people and their discoveries or inventions, and it's, they celebrate their importance. Sure. The problem with eponyms is that they give no useful information about what is or where to find the item named. Right, right. Yeah. King Charles Tree Frog, yeah, so, I would think somewhere in the UK. Right. But it's yeah, Ecuador. Yeah, right. I think so. Note that the eponym is the proper noun that gives its name to the common noun. So the proper noun should always be listed first. Um, so, so King Charles is the eponym of that tree frog. Exactly. Earl of Sandwich is the eponym for Sandwich. Uh, sandwich, that's correct. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I smell a quiz coming up. But, oh, it is. You know. Of course, in linguistics, there are always further classifications. Uh-huh. And here there are six. Okay. <laughs> Simple, compounds, suffix-based derivatives, pos- possessives, clippings, and blends. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> a simple eponym refers to a proper noun that used as a name for something else. A simple eponym usually becomes reclassified as a common noun because of the frequency of its use. So an example of this is the common name for a unit of electric power named after its developer. Uh, a watt? Mm-hmm. How yep. about that? Yep. Yeah. And the developer is James Watt. Didn't we have somebody? There was a Secretary of Commerce, yeah. or a Secretary of the Interior, yeah, James Watt. Yeah, it was a problem, as I recall. I make no judgments. <laughs> okay. Here's a compound eponym. Okay. This is when a proper noun is combined with a common noun to form a new term. For instance, what is the happiest place on earth according to its motto? Is it Disneyland? And why Why is it? An, who? Walt who, Disney. Yes, Walt Disney was the. So it's, I see. So it's, so it's Disney, but combined with another word mm-hmm. to make the new. The compound, compound. eponym. Gotcha. And Walt Disney is the eponym. Right. Of Disneyland. This is a good example of common eponym as the proper noun Disney is combined with the common noun land to form the new word Disneyland. Suffix-based bla- suffix derivatives, say yes. that 12 times. These eponyms refer to a proper noun that is combined with a suffix of a common noun to form a new word. Okay. For instance, if you follow the teachings of Karl Marx, what do you call the theory he devised? Marxism. So ism is a common so suffix. Marx-ism, mm-hmm, gotcha. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Karl Marx created Marxism, an economic and political theory that focuses on the effects of capitalism on the working class. The proper noun Marx is combined with the suffix ism to form the new word Marxism. Of course, there's so many isms. Right, and it. I imagine mm-hmm. I-T-E would be something mm-hmm. that you would, yes. Right. Possessive eponyms. This is pretty straightforward. For instance, Sir Isaac Newton is the eponym for Newton's laws of emotion. Oh, sure. Right, yeah. right. Clippings refer to eponyms in which part of the name has been removed to create a shortened version. Eugene Kaspersky, I hope that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. that, created a computer protection program often shortened to Casper in casual speech. Okay. Beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> Blends are all too prevalent in our language today. They are eponyms in which parts of two words are combined to form a new word, kind of like smog, I guess. Okay. Which so is, what, what do we call those? I forgot. Um, uh, um, portmanteau. Yeah, portmanteau. So, yes. So, but these are fun because they're the end of one and the beginning of the other kind of blend. I mm-hmm, see. I see mm-hmm. what they did there. What's a well-known eponym for the trickle-down theories of our 40th president? Reaganomics. There you go. This blend combines the proper noun, Reagan, and part of the common noun, economics. I bet a lot of blends were created by newspaper people. Was Reaganomics created? I don't know, but it it just sounds like something that – or or, or, or talking heads. Yeah, it would have to be the columnist in the newspaper, not the reporters. That's what I mean. That's what I mean, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, Kyle, quick quiz. Uh-huh. Who are the eponyms in these examples? Okay. America. Oh, that Italian guy. America Versugio or whatever. For Vespucci. Vespucci, yes. yes. Uh, he was an Italian explorer who recognized that the lands Christopher Columbus traveled to were continents separate from the rest of the world. Braille. Louis Braille. Yeah, you knew his name. Yeah. A French inventor who created Braille in 1824, a writing system for the visually impaired consisting of raised dots. Loganberry. Loganberry has an eponym. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say it's Hank Logan. <laughs> I don't <laughs> You're know. Pretty close. Oh. Harvey. Oh, wow. <laughs> judge James Harvey Logan was a judge who mistakenly grew this berry hybrid when trying to create a superior blackberry. How about that? The Loganberry is a mix between blackberry and raspberry. So we know about the Earl sandwich, but mm-hmm. what article of clothing do you think the seventh Earl of Cardigan was the eponym for? Sweaters. Yeah, the cardigan. Yeah. Uh, he created this um, example of an eponym when, uh, well, I didn't give his name today. His name was James Thomas Brudenell. And he created this example of an eponym when the tail of his coat burned off in the fireplace, forming a shorter jacket. Wow. (laughs) So he's the Earl of Cardigan, and the burned jacket became a cardigan. It was bound to happen, right? (laughs) You had to use fire to heat back then. You You were wearing those long tails. It was bound to happen. Yeah, you bet. Okay, and here are a couple of stumpers. Mm -hmm. What name can we thank Caesar Cardini for? Caesar. Caesar salad. Yes. And what do most people think it is? Oh, after Julius Caesar. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He had nothing to do with it. I don't. He's Italian chef Caesar Cardini who supposedly created the Caesar salad. And what do you think Barbara Handler was the ep- who what do you what word do you think or what thing do you think the 
woman Barbara Hand, Handler was the eponym for. Handler. Handler. A snake handler. No. Oh. She, it's, it's her first name. Oh. Barbara. And she's got a big summer movie coming up. Barbie? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> American inventor Ruth Handler. Now, why she had that name there? Oh, oh yeah. The uh, it wasn't uh, that wasn't her name. American inventor Ruth Handler created the Barbie doll, which debuted in 1959. Ruth named the doll after her daughter Barbara. Wow! So many of these eponyms didn't start out grand. No, you know, you had no idea what you were. Yeah, yeah. launching. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's your dose of Sherlsism for this week. <laughs> Catherine Sherls is our militant grammarian. <laughs> Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, the only landfill in northwest Arkansas is in Tawnytown, and the private company who manages it says it needs to expand. But the people of Tawnytown have consistently pushed back. And the fact that with our growing population, none of the leadership in the region has realized that even if waste management gets everything it wants out of the state and it continues to grow, this patch of ground is bounded by rivers, roads, and natural gas pipelines. It just cannot continue forever, but there doesn't seem to be a plan B. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope brings us the story tomorrow about trash, tawny town, and the tense relationship a growing region creates. That's at noon and at 7 p.m. on KUAF. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Hobbs Mountain. Contributors today include Rachel Sanchez-Smith, Jacqueline Froelich, Josie Lenora, Randy Wilburn, and Catherine Sherlds. KUAF's membership director is Brett Ratliff. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Additional help with today's show, both on air and online, provided by Jack Travis and Anna Pope. Today's program was put together in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Kyle. Yes. If you had an eponym... Something that people referred to as a Kellums, the Kellums. What would you you want it to be? What would I want it to be? Yeah. Well, we'll start there. What would you want it to be, and then what would it almost certainly be? I'd want it to be like some sort of um, burst of mild epiphany. Not Eureka, Uh but just like, ah, that makes sense. Maybe a burst of mild creativity. A burst of mild creativity. That's a Kellums. Yeah. That's what I'd like it to be. What it would be is um, you got lost in the town you've lived in for 40 years. (laughs) Uh, She pulled a Kellum. She she didn't know she was in that subdivision. See, uh, uh, tangentially to that, I would imagine it someone giving directions in a way that is indecipherable to anyone except for you. Say, oh, you pulled a Callum's. Yeah, that's yes, because yeah. you have been on the end of one of those. <laughs> you got a few seconds. What would a what would a Matt Moore, Matthew Moore be? That's a good question. Um, again, I would want it to be um, someone or or someone who takes their dachshund way too seriously. Like, oh, he's pulling a Matthew Moore. 
That would be. Yeah, that's appropriate. Takes that, his dachshund way too seriously. All right. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Talk to you tomorrow. The Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society and Rail Yard Live Concert Series presents the Jazz and Blues Block Party, August 4th and 5th in Rogers. Performances include Young Ja Song, a Korean jazz pianist, and her trio, as well as Abstract Citizen with guitarist and composer Aaron Libos. Tickets at digjazz.com events.